Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bam, bam, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tau I make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy, never think about the drop Never, ever, ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT show. It is this show. You know that because it's a podcast and you're listening to it. But I just feel it's reassuring. And the human brain is programmed. I say programmed. It's actually evolved. It's the correct word. To seek patterns. And patterns bring comfort. So if you hear me repeat the phrase enough, it's a professional trick that people do. Because it eases you like, oh, I'm home, you know. It's a little broadcasting trick. I'm, I'm letting you in behind the curtain. Hope you had the time of your life since you last heard my voice. Which could have been today. You might have listened to podcast today. Or yesterday. Or the day before. Because it's not 1856. And you don't have to wait till 9 o'clock for your favorite program on a Monday. On a Monday. You know, I'm old because I still say the word program. Program. All right going to talk um, Arteta and Ten Hag and their revolutions. Um, interesting times. Tell you what they've got in common that I've always argued for. Um, and three and a half years ago, when Mikel Arteta came in, I said why you should stay with him. If you listen to the podcast back then, you will remember me saying stick with the guy. And I'll tell you, you've seen what I've said he should have done then. He has done now. And I'm not saying in hindsight, you can go back on the podcast, go to the YouTube channel, um, and go to 2019 when he came in in December and what I said about him. Go and find those episodes. Uh, of course, those are available wherever you get your podcasts. Otherwise, go to YouTube, uh, the MKT show. And I think then we were still in studio. Uh, yeah, in fact, we were. We were. And I said what had to be done. And you see it happening now. Uh, Ten Hag and Arteta, their revolutions. All right. At MKT Inspires, if you want to slide in the DMs, I do have a question in the mailbag. It's a little bit more um, ethereal, a little bit outside of the sporting realm. When I say a little bit, I mean completely. Um, It is uh, quite a philosophical one. Quite a philosophical one. Not sure I've got an answer for it. Um, I do have some thoughts, though, as always. Um, Otherwise, Ten Hag Arteta, and then we'll go to the mailbag, and then... The podcast will end as it does, as all good things must, you know, uh, whether it is an ice cream or a summer love or a podcast, <laughs> all good things must come to an end. And this will eventually just now in a little bit, depending where you are in the world, in some parts of the world. So I don't think South Africans know this, but there is no just now in the English-speaking world, outside of Cape Town and Johannesburg. (laughs) I think we think just now is a common thing. But when you go to America, say, I see you just now, or Switzerland, that that doesn't exist. It's it's an extremely parochial thing to South Africans. Most South Africans don't know that. Till you tell them 
just now it doesn't exist on a podcast. All right. Um, at MKT Inspires, if you want to slide in the DMs, you know, happy to hear from you. Where are you in the world? Are you, you know, have you just taken a break because you've just had the balls to break up with your with a crappy boyfriend? You know, you might be sisterhood of the traveling pants by yourself and you just have to do a yoga course in Malaysia or, or whatever relatively well-off 30-somethings do after they've had a guy waste their time for five years and then not put a, put a ring on it. You know what I mean? Isn't that what most of society is doing now? Like, oh my gosh, you guys have been together for five years. When's he going to propose? You know? Um, and listen, I know there's people who listen to this. You're probably going through that right now. You're probably feeling the pressure, you know, because her friends are in her ear. Like, what are you guys? Oh my word. What if he doesn't propose? When's he going to grow up? So if you had the balls to break up and then you like, you know what? Girl, you just need a holiday in Mauritius or whatever. Slide in the DMs. Let me know what you're up to. You know, let me know why you broke up with it. Like, these are the things I want to know. Give me the dirt. He just, he just, he just couldn't step up, you know? Like, I needed to move on. Like, a boyfriend sometimes isn't husband material. Or, I imagine it'll be something like that. I imagine this is what most of middle class, upper middle class society saying to one another. You know, ladies? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I live in my own world. I just imagine that's most of the nonsense going on, you know. And if you're a guy out there and you're listening to this and you're like, boo, that's why you're single. Maybe it's true. But I'm leaning towards it's actually what's going on. If you're the lady out there and now you are in Singapore because you just deserve to live a little after wasting your time with Craig, the bastard, let me know. What are you up to? How is it out there? What's it like being single after five years of being cooped up with a loser who couldn't be put a ring on it? And he's only a loser in your mind, by the way. Maybe he's a nice guy and he just, you know, maybe he's a modern person who doesn't think getting married means anything. Maybe. I'm not saying he's right. I'm not saying you're right. I'm just saying, let me know what you're up to. I'm just like, these are the people who exist in the world. People might say, who the hell are you talking to? I'm talking to people who exist in the world. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. MKT inspires. If you want to slide in the DMs. Uh, otherwise, MKT at the MKT show. MKT show. All right, Ashes is back. Incredible first day. First of all, England, what are we doing bowling 83 overs in a day? Can we maybe start punishing these guys? You're cheating fans out of seven overs a day. I remember 20 years ago, 90 overs a day was the thing, 15 overs an hour. What's happened to that? Plus, you've got Mo, bloody Moen Ali, what did he bowl, 17 overs. So you've got a spinner bowling 17 overs. You're telling me you can still go and bowl 30 overs an hour? Or 30 overs a session? It's freaking crazy. These over rates are pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. There was one injury that I remember is Alex Carey getting hit on the elbow. But other than that, it was a stock standard day. And you've got a spinner for 17 overs. And Moen Ali really gets through his overs. So I do not understand what the bloody hell is going on there. 83 overs in a day. Like, I'm sorry. Why isn't Ben Stokes being suspended for a game for that? 
Like, it's out of hand. It's crazy. And don't do match fees because money doesn't matter, especially to England, Australia, and India. Like, money is meaningless. Finding these guys £100,000 is absolutely nothing because that just comes from the cricket boards or the sponsors. So it, money doesn't affect these guys. They earn rightfully so. I mean, they're, they're international superstars, but they earn five, six million dollars at, at the IPL for six weeks work or whatever. So the money is not going to affect it. You ban the captain, right? Or you say, listen, you've got to, you've got to choose one of your 11 who has to sit out the next game. You know, like, like make it personal. Make the punishment personal where it affects the team, you know? Because now, Ben Stokes has to choose one of his 11, and that's going to affect the team dynamic. And, and then you really get into the core of what a punishment is, right? You don't want to lose sort of credence in, in the team, right? Credibility in the team. You imagine being Ben Stokes, you tell James Anderson, listen, because we bowl slowly, I've chosen you. Oh, bloody hell, why'd you choose someone else? You see, now we're getting into it. Now, now we're talking drama. Now we're talking drama. 83 overs, bloody unacceptable. But that's not my gripe. I want to say something else. Are English people shocked that it rains in England? Why in the shitting hell are there no roofs on English cricket grounds? And don't talk to me about money. What the hell have you been doing with your colonial funds that you've gotten from around the world for the last 200 years? 300 years, right? England's one of the richest countries in the world. In fact, when I say one, probably the richest country in the world as we saw from the Panama Papers, right? What are, what are we even doing? Why does it, it rain? Like now, and the reason I'm saying this, if you're not into cricket, again, I'm sorry you have no culture and you're a bum, but, but just so you understand, and you may not have been to the United Kingdom, but it is, a, it is this boggy, island that rains all the freaking time and the thing about cricket is once it rains you cannot play it, it, it's not like any other sport once it rains you cannot play it, it's it's over because number one the pitch it becomes dangerous blah 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 multiple reasons so you cannot play cricket if it's like drizzling forget about raining once but now we are at a crucial stage of the ashes and it's raining in Manchester, or, or it didn't rain today, but it's going to rain. It looks like day three and four will be washed out. So essentially, you've consigned yourself to a draw. But it's been raining for since time immemorial in the United Kingdom. Like, why are they shocked every summer that cricket's getting cancelled? So I do not understand this. Put roofs on Lords, Old Trafford, Edgbaston, right? Just put the roofs on. Why aren't there roofs? Why aren't there domes? Because they've got in Australia. And, and don't tell me cricket doesn't have the money. Just take the money from the government. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing not having roofs in England? Because, lo and behold, it rains in one of the rainiest places in the world. It rains all year round there. Nobody's shocked. So or, or are we shocked now that it's raining in England? And now it is. Because here's why I'd argue you need roofs. It's not a sport anymore. Sport is now at that level a TV show. Like I know as fans, as match paying fans, we think, oh, we are the people who matter. We're not. Television matters. Television, Sky Sports, right? They pay the bills. 
They are the they invest a billion pounds into cricket a year or whatever it may be. So you need to guarantee that you're on TV. Like now, this series is probably going to be a draw and England are going to lose the Ashes and we're going to lose out on entertainment and, you know, jeopardy because you couldn't put a roof on. Put a roof on the stadiums. Let me know your thoughts. Am I crazy here? Am I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Kill the, my, kill the Prime Minister of Micronesia. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? I, I, I don't understand. There is no excuse. The, the economy is not the excuse. And we're not morons. Like, we know the weather. Or maybe we are morons. Like, what are we... Are we thinking we're going to pray to the rain gods and it's not going to rain this weekend? It is going to rain in England every year. There we go. I've broken the news. Am I Okay, there we go. I'm a genius. Somebody tell, I don't know, the Prime Minister of England. Who's like an Indian dude, by the way, now. I wonder how that's sitting with the English. I don't really follow English politics as, as closely as I used to. Never thought I'd see a man of colour in there at number 10. Sure. Imagine England had a black prime minister. I, I, like, I, I'm all for America doing it, but I don't know if England. Yeah, no, that, that wouldn't go so well. As soon as they, as soon as they got a black princess, things got a little rocky. Yeah, I, I don't think they'd ever let a black guy at number ten, hey? I, because I think we are in like, like, oh, let's all move on. I don't see skin color or whatever, but a black English president. Yeah, that, I think that's a bit much, even. For this day and age, hey? Because the guy now is... He was, what's he, Indian, hey? Pakistani. Like, that's probably... As close as we're getting. It's probably... I'm not getting an, a Barack Obama at number 10 Downing Street. Probably not. Anyway, let that guy know. Mr. Asian British guy. Get some moves on the cricket field. We'd like to watch some cricket. It's the only great cricket left. And now it's going to be a freaking draw. Oh, great joke, by the way, with the best of thing with the Australian Prime Minister. If you haven't seen it, go to social media. Some great trolling by both Australian and British Prime Ministers. Black Prime Minister in England. I mean, I'll do stand-up comedy if this sports thing doesn't work out. Absolutely crazy. Get some roofs on there. Add MKT Inspires. Am I crazy? Or should we put some roofs? At Old Trafford. Hey, Lords. Also, we know where we're going to play cricket. I'm not saying put... I'm, I'm not saying put roofs on every stadium. That's ridiculous. There's maybe six stadiums. Take a billion pounds, which is nothing. Take a billion pounds. And, I mean, whatever the coronation costs, surely we could have cut that nonsense. Right? Put some stadiums on the roof. Or roofs on the stadiums. There we go. Cancel the coronation next time. No one cares. Or do you people care? I don't know. But anyway, find the money. You know what I mean? Find the money. All right, quick one. Um, somebody did ask uh, Rashford. Listen, man. Marcus Rashford, it's clear what he is now. He's 25. He's, he's okay. You know? I think... People want Marcus Rashford to be better than he actually is. And, and there's a value 
there's a value to being a nice person because when you're nice, people want you to do well. More often than not, because it plasters over your shortcomings, really. If you can just be decent. My, my mother always said to me in, in my work is just, just be decent. You know, never underestimate the value of decency. And Marcus Rashford's showing you that just being a nice bloke has tremendous value. Because being human's hard, man, especially in pressure environments. If you make people feel good and are marketable, they'll pay you. There's tremendous value in that. Because it's very clear Marcus Rashford is not very good at football by international standards. Right? Manchester United's the only elite club Marcus Rashford gets in at. Right? He'll start, he's one of the locals he's attached to. So the nice thing about Rashford is you can market him. You can market him, but nobody thinks Marcus Rashford's world-class. Not even England do. England don't pick him. Rightfully so. Because he's not as good as Grealish. He's nowhere near, like, he's nowhere near Grealish, by the way. I think Grealish is England's best player, but uh, whatever, you can argue with your uncle. But he's not Grealish. He's not Foden. I would, I would even argue, is he better than Harvey Barnes? Because Harvey Barnes gives you a different dimension. They're different players. Uh, Rashford's inside left, Harvey Barnes is a winner. But I'd rather have Harvey Barnes, if I'm being completely honest. And people can say what they like, but I've seen him for seven years now. I've seen what he is. is what he is is a nice player. Um, he's not particularly efficient. He's one of the most selfish players I've ever seen. He doesn't drop back. So he thinks he's better than he is because... The type of player who doesn't drop back had better be giving me 2010 output, and that's 20 goals, 10 assists per season. And he's never, by the way, Marcus Rashford has never scored 15 Premier League goals. And he should, by the way, because he doesn't do anything else. All he does is cut inside and shoot and stay up front with the amount of attacking possession at a big club like Manchester United that he's, that he's had. Marcus Rashford should have had 20 goals in the season because he plays as well, he plays a lot. The last season, I think, was his first season playing under 30 games with all the injuries. But he plays 30, 35 games a year. So he, that five-year deal is more about marketing than it is about football ability. And, and that's okay. That's okay. I see the value in having Mr. Nice Guy at Manchester United, ultimately probably the biggest brand in football, right? And, and, and possibly in the world of sport. He's the perfect face, especially in this new age. Like, you need a, let's just face it, you, you, you need a player of color on the, at the front. It's like, it's, it's very conscious, you know, in a way to say that you can feel where the British culture is going, uh, grime music. So Marcus Rashford represents all those things. Plus, he's just a great guy from the sounds of things. He's a high character dude who cares more about other people and does a lot in the community it fits perfectly with the biggest brand in the world is, you know what keeps people up about giving people big contracts? So guys like Mbappe and Pogba and Lukaku and these types of guys and Eden Hazard and people like this, you know what? Maybe Eden Hazard doesn't fall into the thing. Eden Hazard just likes burgers. But but people like Rafael Morrison, you know, um, Paul Pogba, Romelu Lukaku is... What would make me anxious about paying those guys is what's he going to say in the papers now? 
you know what keeps people up at night the the, the general managers and the, the the sort of guys who run football clubs is having to get phone calls about Lukaku's gone and said this now Pogba's gone and said this now there's a kidnapping with his brother like oh my goodness we've got enough problems we need this guy's the face of our franchise and Marcus Rashford is the guy you never need to worry about you don't want to, you don't need to worry about Marcus Rashford he's feeding kids He's pitching up. He's, you know, he really looks after himself. The haircut's neat. He's a he's a dream corporate product, especially in this new age. Black guy has enough ability to be in the squad. I wouldn't. I, I would hesitate to say he'll be in the squad definitely going forward. But but what he's got is enough ability to sort of be in the mix on the bench. You can take him on tour. Marcus Rashford. The kids love him. Um, people love him. Corporates love him. Government loves him. What's he MBE now? So somebody's asking about the contract. It's not a football thing. Marcus Rashford is not good enough to be starting for Manchester United. It's, it's embarrassing if you think he is. Marcus Rashford is not good enough to be starting for Manchester United in reality. Like, he shouldn't be getting an England team. By the way, he will because of the, again, marketing, whatever. But he should not be in the England squad. He's nowhere near good enough. He, because he's not Bukayo Saka. Right? He's not Grealish. In my eyes, he's not Harvey Barnes. In the number 10 role, even if you want to squeeze him in there, sorry, now I've got Madison. What do you do there? That's a problem. I think Arsenal have a new kid who, if he stays fit in Emil Smith-Rowe, that creates more problems for Marcus Rashford. What do you do there? Because Foden can't even get in the team. So he's not better than Grealish. He's not better than Foden. He's, he's clearly not. I mean, Bukayo Saka has to start, right? So where do you put Rashford? And then you've got Array up front. Right? You've got Array. And the next number nine is Ollie Watkins. So where does Rashford fit in the, in the whole mix? He doesn't. The answer is he does not. He shouldn't be in the squad, but he will be for marketing reasons. And I completely agree with it. If you're young and you're listening to this, right? Not all of us are stars, but people, and especially rich people, trust me, they will pay you if you just make them feel good and they can rely on you. Never underestimate the power of being reliable. And Marcus Rashford is just that. The Glazers know, you know, Eric Ten Hag knows, of course we're happy to give him a five-year contract. We never have to worry about him. Because what corporates do, and if you're young and you're just getting into the working world or you're studying or, or maybe you've just got your first promotion. Remember, when people pay you, they don't pay you for what you've done. They pay you for what they expect you to do for the length of the contract. And although football is a big part of things, we understand that the marketing and the commercial side is massive. And Marcus Rashford is a dream in that sense. He's going to say the right thing. He's never going to upset anybody. Marcus Rashford is not going to upset anyone. He's not going to rock the... And he's local. So you can solve a romance of one of our own. So I think it's hysterical from a football side. I mean, especially if the three, the report of 300,000 is what it is. But listen, Marcus Rashford is one of the most marketable sporting figures in the world. Even if you don't like the football ability, which I don't, I think he's probably, I don't know, should he be at Brighton? Does he even get in the Brighton team? He's not, 
Who's the who's the Japanese guy? Is it Matoma? I don't think he's better than Matoma. He doesn't get in that Brighton side. He's not he's not Matoma good. Plus they got that new kid. Espo whatever his name is, scored the bang against Chelsea. Right? So so I'm happy for Marcus Rashford, man. And it's um you know, my mom said, never ever, and you must always thank people for just being decent. And he's just a decent bloke, who's just a decent footballer, but but that added up as a package. Fantastic. Gets you paid. Being nice gets you paid. It's a victory for the nice guys, man. In a world where it just all feels so toxic, shout out to Marcus Rashford for getting the bag, as the youth say. Now, it's going to look like a disaster in three years' time, right? Because he's not very good. He's quite injury prone. And when I say not very good, I just mean by that level. Like at that level, you need a bit more, you know? Like I know people are laughing, but he's not Mudrick. Like it's clear, Mudrick's what we're talking about here. Like Chelsea have Mudrick now. You know? Is he, like as I say, is he Harvey Barnes? If I said to you, Alan San Maximan or Marcus Rashford, you'd have to think about it. Be honest. Like, be honest. So don't just say the one place for Newcastle. Like, you'd really, ha- really, really have to think about it. Like, Foden, it's not close. Mares, who's leaving, it's not close. I- I'm just, I'm saying the echelon where you want to be playing. Saka, it's not close. You know, Gabriel Jesus, it's not close. You- you're not, no- nobody thinks he's better than Gabriel Jesus. Martinelli, I'm sorry, Martinelli is far better than Marcus Rashford. Far better. And don't look at the output, Right? Just look at the player. Look at look at the all-round thing. Martinelli's up and down and up and down and tremendous directness. Holds the width inside, outside, arcs the run. I mean, Martinelli's fantastic and is three years younger. So, you know, I'm happy for Ashford, man. We'll have to know what people think. Sort of touch on that one. Alright, at MKT Inspires. MKT at the MKT show. Alright. Let's get into the to today's topic. I'm just going to do one topic, read the mailbag, and then uh, be out. Um, Ten Hag Arteta Revolution. You know, one thing that I'm quite good at, and I was raised this way, I, I'm not going to take all the credit, but I was raised by somebody who said, and it's my father, he's, the worst thing about mistakes isn't making them. The worst thing about mistakes is allowing your ego to make you double down on those mistakes. Trust me, I've made lots of mistakes in my life. I've spoken about them on this podcast. Don't double down on mistakes. Learn to pivot away from mistakes and stop trying to prove a mistake right. I mean, how often have you done it in your uh, teens and 20s where you're like, you almost just to, it's me against the world and you've made a mistake and you double down and you try and prove it, whether it's to your boss, to your girlfriend, to your boyfriend, to your mom, to your dad. Don't double down on mistakes. That's all ego. Like if you make a mistake, it's fine. Just pivot. Most of you, pe- most of you people who listen to this are smart people. Stop doubling down on mistakes. Crappy boyfriend, crappy girlfriend. You know, man. In two months, okay, she's useless. He's useless. Like he can't pick up his socks. Like she can't clean the kitchen. He can't clean the kitchen. These people are animals. Can't live with people like that. They leave underwear on the floor. What am I going to be doing? Babysitting. Like your mom should have raised you, not me. You know what I mean? Don't double down on mistakes. But people do that because we don't like, usually it's because we don't like confrontation. But if you don't do the confrontation early, it's, it's generally harder later, right? 
but don't allow your ego to make you double down on mistakes. It's my father's thing. My father's, I've got to tell you, he's one of the most disciplined people. He's the most disciplined person I know, at least, that, I, that I've ever met in my life so far. It's only 37 years. He always used to say the worst thing in the world is he, my father doesn't mind mistakes. What he cannot tolerate and has never been able to tolerate is people continuing down the path where they've clearly made a mistake. And we, more often than not, human beings do that because it's an ego thing, right? Arsenal's biggest problem was making Arsene Wenger God. Man United's biggest problem was thinking Alex Ferguson was more than what he was, a football manager. Yeah, just because you're a football, you're very, 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 one of the very best in the history of sport as a football manager doesn't mean you know how to run a football club. You know how to coach, you know how to do tactics, you know, you know how to create environments for winning. It does not mean you understand long-term planning for a billion-dollar organization or a six-billion-dollar organization, according to the Glazers. It doesn't. I'm sorry. Alex Ferguson, listen, he brought misery to my youth. But he was just a great football manager. He was not a businessman. He is not a businessman. Not at that level, anyway. Sorry. And Man United made that mistake because they let him pick the guy after himself. That was crazy. And then Arsenal let Arsene Wenger run the football club. What did that lead to? Arsenal and Man United made massive transfer errors. One for 20 years, one for a decade. Because they let Arsene Wenger run the transfer policy. It's crazy. It's crazy what was happening at Arsenal from 2005 after you let Vieira go. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. And, you know, where all of Man United and their managers failed, Eric Ten Hag has succeeded in a year. Arteta is in year four. He's going into year number four. We're three and a half years in. Right? Here's the thing about, about bad habits. You know, I've encountered a few people, and I'll be completely honest, is... I do have a lot of people DM me about health, changing bad habits. Because I've spoken about it on the podcast a lot. About I used to drink in my 20s like crazy. I stopped drinking in 2013. And, and I'd like to think in a personal capacity and when it comes to health. I'm not saying across the board, but when it comes to health, I've got great habits. I eat really well. I exercise five, six times a week. You know? Is, so I have a lot of people DMing me about exercise and i say before before that because i I'm, I'm not a physiologist i'd rather you went to it. but I, what i can tell you is that first you need to identify what your bad habits are right and stop those nip those in the bud before you worry about exercise and that's where people i never get messages back because because people know where i'm headed with that right is the exercises it comes down the line. You've got to get your habits right. You've got to get out of bad habits. You've got to be honest about looking in the mirror. And Mikel Arteta said, Gwenduzi, Ozil, Mkhitaryan, Mustafi, Kolasinets, Torreira, Aubameyang, Chambers, Luis, Bellerin, Leno, Lacazette, Xhaka. Before I start building, I've got to get rid of you guys. I've got to get you out of here. You've got a rotten mentality. It's called a loser's mentality. And there was comfort. You're all Arsene Wenger's kids. And it was okay to come fifth and sixth and eighth. 
So what Arteta had to do before he started making Declan Rice, get rid of these guys. And it was, it's been a three and a half year process. If you go back and listen to the podcast, I said the day Arteta signed, now they are starting a five-year cycle. They are five years away from competing. I remember getting messages and people laughing at me. I said they were five years away from competing because I've been watching football my whole life. I understand how it happens. Eric Ten Hag, Pogba out, De Gea out, Lingard out, Baye out, Matic out, Maguire. You're not the captain anymore. It's Manchester United. What are we talking about? So now, now Manchester United, starting next season, are five years away. So he's now started the clock. Man United are now five years away from competing because there's still a lot of rubbish. Jaden Sancho, you gotta go. Scott McTominay, you gotta go. There's still a lot of rubbish. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, you're gonna have to go. I know people like him, but he's a centre-back at right-back. He gets a nosebleed when he crosses the halfway line. I'm sorry, you cannot have Chelsea be having Reese James and Liverpool with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Cancelo and Kyle Walker, right? And Akanji and people like that at wing-back and you've got Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Aaron Wan-Bissaka should be playing for Burnley. Sorry, you can't have Trippier and you've got Aaron Wan-Bissaka in the modern game. It's embarrassing. It's hysterical, actually. So these kind of things have to go. So this is the first cycle where Eric Ten Hag's going. Not good enough. Excellent. As Man United fans, you should be delighted. David De Gea has been outdated for five years. Man United fans know I've been saying this for four years now. Get rid of him. This guy's awful. There's a reason he doesn't get in Spain team. He's got the worst feet in the world. He's got three left feet. Not even two, three left. It is terrible. David Gay by international standards is terrible. He belongs at a Sheffield United. Good shot stopper. Okay, wow. Amazing. So he's so he can do the job of a 1990s goalkeeper. But Eric Tenhout seeing this and he's saying, I have no favourites. And they're giving him license now to get rid of the crap. You want, to, hey, you want to lose weight. You want to start exercising. First, identify what are your negative habits. Because you've got to get rid of those first. You've got to get rid of the negative people in your life, the negative uh, neurological pathways you've formed, right? The negative self-imagery. That's what United have become. Remember, you must stop saying things are institutions. Institutions are just people that gather around and get paid. These two men have done sensationally. And I know Chelsea got a lot of criticism last year. Todd Bully, right, saw that the previous Lampard era was a joke. He just did in one year what it's taken Arsenal four years to do and taken Man United ten years to do. Get rid of the rubbish. Todd Bully came in there and he brought, uh, what's it, Lawrence and uh, Win Stanley. And they're like, this is nonsense. Let's fix it now. Let's fix it now. Chelsea fixed it in one year. I love Todd Bully for that. People are going to criticize and go crazy. But he said, no, I can see this is a mistake. I'm not doubling down on people. ZH, terrible. Get rid of these guys. Rudiger, out. Doesn't matter. We, we don't rate these guys. Haven't won the Premier League in six years. Get rid of them. Aspilicueta, you. we love you. It's time to move on. Bought the new talent. Chelsea did it in one season. It's taken Man United a decade to realize what you've got to do. And it's ugly. 
right? Look at Chelsea. It's ugly. But now they can get started. Chelsea can get started. And where Chelsea are unique, unlike United and Arsenal, is they've just won a Champions League. So the winning DNA is in Chelsea, right? Some of that's still around. Forget about the players. It's in the club. There's people who still work at the club where the winning is, that's the standard. Because at Man United now, they're just happy to be in the top four. At Arsenal, they can't believe they're in the Champions League. At Chelsea, they're going, no, we've just won the Champions League. We expect to be winning here. That's part of the mindset that Todd Boyley came in and said, oh, okay, no, we want to win. This is Chelsea Football Club. So I want to say shout out to Eric Ten Hag and um, Mikel Arteta. Because I don't understand. I, I, was, I, I ran into somebody this afternoon and there, there was some awkwardness um, in and around an employment situation. And I said, this, like, again, my father taught me something when I was young. There's no good way to break up with someone. Who cares if it's awkward? Like, there's just no good way to break up with somebody. I, I don't understand these people that delay breakups, personal or professional. Like, I, I'm sorry, I pride myself on, I, I guess I'm, I'm naturally quite a confrontational person and, and I'm, I'm not uncomfortable with awkward conversations, all right? is I'm quite good at like, okay, cool, this is not working, let's move on. And maybe it's because I've got an inflated self-worth, but I'm just like, let's move on. Dragging things out just makes it more awkward. There's no good way to break up with people. So just break up with them, because you know what breaking up does? And, and cutting the crap. Even if you need a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend, a new striker, a new left wing, is it puts you under the right pressure to go, okay, now I need to go and get that. Because whilst you're still doing the awkward thing of one toe in, one toe out, nobody's happy. They can tell you're not into them. You know you're not into them. Who's winning there? Pivot from mistakes, people. Ten hug, one year. Sensational. Love it. De Gea, you're date. And let me tell you something. Aaron Bissaka is on the market. People won't believe it, but they are looking for a right back, trust me. Because Eric Ten Hag, right, is not going to watch Liverpool with Robertson and uh, Alexander-Arnold, who obviously couldn't defend a piggy bank with an AK-47. But, but listen, football's about being aggressive, and he wants to play um, the Gagan press. He needs somebody who can give him the width on the right. He, he, you just you can't, especially with Anthony, right? He's an inside right forward. You need somebody to give you the, the width up high. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, as I say, he gets a nosebleed when he crosses the halfway line. You don't think Aaron, you don't think Aaron Ten Hag's looking at Man City with Cancelo um, and going, oh my goodness. Right, Cancelo on the left, Kyle Walk on the right, high up, whipping the ball in, you know, getting to the byline. I mean, Aaron Wan-Bissaka has never seen other team's byline. He, he, doesn't know, he doesn't even know there's another box. He thinks there's one box or half. It's his one, Right? You don't think Eric Ten Hag sees that? And he must be fuming that Urien Timber has gone to Arsenal. He must be incandescent. Incandescent. Ball-playing athletic right-back with the Dutch style. It must be driving him insane what Arteta did with Urien Timber there. Because that was the next guy. If you don't believe me, he tried to get Urien Timber last year. So... People who love Aaron Wan-Bissaka 
are the same people who liked David De Gea. You liked football in the 90s or noughties where a defender must defend. Yes, yes, they should. But not everyone's Reese James where you're the full package or Cancelo. Right? Most players are like, especially in this day and age, even Kyle Walker, you, you're sacrificing a little bit on the, up front, right? He's not great going forward, but he's certainly going to get up there. He's athletic enough. He's adventurous enough. He's got a sweet touch. Not the greatest crossover of the ball, but he's going to get to the byline. He's going to give you width. He's going to get it to the final third. He's going to invert. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is literally a right back. He's, a, he's, a, he's an auxiliary center back out wide with tremendous athleticism and a nice slide tackle. But he's always slide tackling because he's out of position, actually. But anyway, let's not get into that. That's boring. Be ruthless, people. It's important. It's important. There's no good way to break up with people. Shout out Eric Ten Hag. Shout out to Arsenal. Arsenal are probably one more window away because they probably would like to upgrade up front. If you're Arsenal, you'd like to upgrade up front. You'd probably have like to upgrade a left back and goalkeeper as well. They... Last year was an anomaly. Let's see now whether we are where we are. But he's gone. He's gone. He's been aggressive. He's saying he's going to buy more as Arteta. They'd probably like to upgrade up front. I like Gabriel Jesus, but they You know what I mean? There's Haaland. There's a difference between... Can they go and get Ossiman? Something like that. Because then Arsenal... Are a different beast. But even then, I think they're still missing something at centre-back. I still think they're missing something at goalkeeper. I think they're missing a left-back. They could do with another... You probably need a Caicedo kind of... You know, Man City have Rodri in there. You need a boss in midfield. They don't really have a boss in midfield. Like, Xhaka was supposed to be that. But, you know, come on. There's a reason Xhaka's at Leverkusen. That you need a boss in midfield. Like if they got like a Caicedo to go with Rice, now we're cooking. But but that's probably two or three windows away. So Arsenal aren't going to win this season. It's going to be Man City. It's going to be Chelsea. It's going to be Newcastle. Um, and then it'll be Arsenal and maybe United. See what Spurs have to say about a fourth place. But you needed a Tonali. You needed a Bruno Guimaraes to go with Rice and Udegaard. In the midfield there. But, but but Arsenal are certainly in the right place now. Because now the manager has his guys. That was the other thing about getting rid of the old guys, right? Now Ten Hag's got his guys. So now they know that this is my manager. They're not bringing Mourinho. And they're not bringing all of that thought of, hey, you didn't bring me here. I don't respect you. Jaden Sancho's next, guys. Please do not think Jaden Sancho is going to last. Eric Ten Hag showed. He's not scared. David De Gea. Man United legend. Out of here. You're useless. And he tried to replace... By the way, Aaron Rambasaka, the problem is his contract's so massive, it's not easy to move him. But he did try and replace him with Urien Timber. I'm not saying that. Remember last season. He must be furious. Be ruthless. It's important. Arsenal in year four of the cycle. They'll need one more cycle to compete. If Arsenal are going to start winning, it is in the next two years. It's not this year. They're still short, especially with Champions League football. But Man United, you should be happy because now you start the cycle. In four or five years' time, Man United will be in the mix. They will. It's not going to happen straight away. Because here's the problem with thinking, oh, we've got new players. Not all of them work out. It's not how it works. Right? Even for Man City, they don't always work out. Calvin Phillips, that didn't work straight away. 
Bravo, remember when he came in at goalkeeper? That didn't work straight away. He had to get a couple of centre-backs. Didn't really work straight away until he got Ruben Diaz. Doesn't work straight away. That's not how it goes. Doesn't work straight away. Even with Pep. Even with Pep. Right? Gabriel Jesus, that didn't work straight away. Sergio Aguero didn't love him straight away. Pep Guardiola in that first season didn't work. Didn't win anything. Zero trophies. Came fourth. So if you're United, you shouldn't presume all of these guys are going to work. Mason Mount may not work. You know? Some guys aren't going to like the culture. They're not going to like the manager. These are human beings. These are emotional beings. They're going to have to get used to different things. Mason Mount has never had a tough, remember? Listen, I love Mason Mount. He's a grown-up. But Eric Ten Hag, from all readings, <laughs> he has no favorites. Mason Mount has always been looked after at Chelsea as one of our own. Now, my man, this guy's not loyal to you. He bought you for footballing abilities. But if you don't show up, he's going to call you out. It's not Daddy Frank Lampard yet. It's not you're one of our own and we look after you. There's no banners at Man United for Mason Mount. We, you remember, there's that challenge. You're now part of the biggest brand in the world. The Man United fans are not impressed by what you did at Chelsea. They're not impressed by you winning a Champions League. They'll tell you we had Carlos Tevez and Cristiano Ronaldo. We remember that. You're nothing here, my man. They loved you at Chelsea. They protected you. They sang your name. This is Manchester United, the land of Eric Cantona. They're human, these guys. It's going to take time. Nobody's impressed by Mason Mount, especially that he took the number seven. These young kids are going to find out this is, this is, this is the real deal. Because it's not that long ago that Carlos Tevez was there, that Vidic was there. So, just saying, be ruthless. Good stuff. Love to know what you think, at MKT Inspires. But I must tell you, happy for them. Happy for both clubs. All right, let's do the mailbag. Quickly read this. And um, we'll get out of here. Uh, I'll say her name is Lufente. Lufente says, um, and I've said this before. So this is the mailbag, by the way, at MKT Inspires, wide open. Uh, if you if you want to get your question read out in the podcast, slide in the DMs. Instagram, at MKT Inspires. She says, uh, and I've said this before, I've said it a lot, and I'm a proponent of this. Um, you say that opposites attract, but it is our similarities that keep us together. I do say that. I do say that, and I will, I will die on that hill. What if we share similarities so deep that it is our purpose? The famous quote from Franz Fanon is, every generation must discover, out of relative obscurity, discover its mission, fulfill it, or betray it. Now, I know that line, but anyway, um, so I'll read that again. Every generation must discover out of relative obscurity, discover its mission, fulfill it, or betray it. What if our similarities is our mission and our commitment to fulfill it? However, the differences is our backgrounds, where we come from, families, context, etc. Is that similarity enough to keep us together or to be together, um, or to be together, one would have to sacrifice the mission. See, that's, it's more than one question in one. But here's what I'll say. First and foremost, I'm not a relationship expert. Number one, I am not in a relationship and have not been, I've had the pleasure of being single for bloody hell. It's been a while now. 
of 2017. So, blimey, what's that? Six years. Six years, right? Is the last time I was in what you might consider a, a relationship or what I would consider a relationship. I've only had two girlfriends in my life, so I'm also not an expert on romantic relationships. Certainly not in the first person. You know, I have not, I'm not, I, I'm not the relationshipy type yet. You know, I'm not against it. I think it's great. I like human relations. But I think, and I was talking to somebody today um, about employment. I'll tell you about human character. You know, I don't know how old uh, Lufenza is. Uh, she looks younger. I can see her avatar on Instagram. Is I was with a billionaire today. Had lunch with him. Had a meeting in the morning. Then I had lunch with this guy. Now, when I say he's a billionaire, I mean he's literally a billionaire. He's the richest person I know. Right? I don't know too many billionaires, but he's like multi-billionaire in dollars. So very, very successful. Very, very successful home life as well. I've known him my whole life. So it's quite a unique situation. Anyway, I was talking to him today, and I've been thinking a lot about character. And one of the questions I asked him today when we were at lunch, I, I heard it on a leadership podcast. Um, and I said, did he have any employment patterns? And he said something really, really, as the youth say, it was quite triggering for me. He said, in leadership positions, he never ever, right, employed people that were below the age of 50 after a certain realization, right? I think he was 40 or something um, in his business. So he was a, he's a big mining magnet. And he, he said, or he used to be, I mean, he still owns the company, but his son, his son's run it now. And he said, he didn't employ people that age, below the age of 50 because they don't know themselves. They haven't been through enough. So it was really, really interesting. And as a 37 year old, I thought, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? I'm a grown up. But we talked through it and he kind of explained to me um, the variance of life experiences you have to go through when you're 50. So he said he didn't really trust the life experience of anyone below 50. And after we chatted, not because I'm biased to him, kind of made sense, you know. Like you've been through enough at 50, you're still young enough to have the energy and have the experience, but you've been through enough to build up some character and also to stop caring what people think and, and truly lean into yourself, you know. So I thought that was quite interesting. And for you to be using words like purpose, I mean, you look quite young. You know, that's going to change. Let me tell you something. I changed more from the age of 20 to 38. Sorry, 28 to 30 than I did in my previous 28 years as a whole. So in those two years, neurologically, I felt myself change more than I had in 28 years. So I, I think words like purpose and being absolute when you're in your 20s is I, it's crazy. I think it's crazy. You, you know, you're going to ebb and flow and you're still, you're still developing. You know, positions you hold now, things that are important to you now, values that you haven't even established. You, you haven't, you've seen so little of life um, without preaching down to people. But at 25, 26, you've seen nothing, really. You haven't heard and lived through enough opinions, right? You haven't really grounded yourself in anything at 28, 26, 27. You haven't really done anything. 
and and what I will say in my experience, girls mature faster than guys. Some girls know. But what I will say is I'm not a romantic expert, right? And if this connection to this person I presume is romantic, is if your values are similar. Because values aren't going to change. Values haven't changed in 3,000 years. Right? I'm not a religious person, but those 10, in, in the storybook of a shout out JC, um, in his book, he's got the 10 commandments, right? Those aren't necessarily religious. They, they existed well before the Bible. Um, but those types of ethos, right, are a golden thread, thread throughout time. So if, if it's truly value-based and this other person lives it, you know, it's one thing to say it, but you've been around them for four or five years and they live whatever this message is, whether it's, I don't know, I don't know what your purpose is. You guys, I don't know, do you want to save children in Guatemala? If that's your purpose and you, you, it might be divine. Again, I can't comment on that. I'm not religious. I don't believe in any God. Shout out to all those of you who do, by the way, whatever. We're all doing our thing. But if it's spiritual, again, I can't answer that because I've never had a spiritual calling. So I don't believe in any of that. I'm dumb Tosa, but I don't believe even in ancestors or whatever. So I'm a bad person to ask in that sense. I'm a naturalist uh, to my heart. And um, But if your calling is otherworldly, then I can't really help you on that. Other than to say, don't commit to anything in your 20s. You don't even know yourself yet. You're going to change at 28 and 35. And and trust me, trust me, I changed at 25, at 30, at 28 actually I changed. At 30 I changed again. I felt myself over the last few years really, really hone in on what's important and, and lean into myself. So don't get, words like purpose are massive, hey. And when you're young, you don't have to commit to things like this. Like, I don't know what the rush is. We live longer than ever now. Like, you've got more runway. You know, just like, wow, to to, to use words like purpose. So perhaps you have found your purpose. By the way, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it's a big word. I, I would go and seek advice from elders when you're talking words like purpose. I would go, if, if this is religious-based, I, I don't know what else it would be, purpose Generally, when people use words like that, it's, it's in and around church. Because if you're determining your own purpose, by the way, that's not a very good way to discern purpose. P- people are terrible barometers for anything. Because you're just looking at the world through your eyes. Um, go and ask some wise people. Like, I don't mind speaking to religious people, by the way. Like, I, I talk to rabbis, I talk to priests, I talk to, to all these people when I ask for life advice. I like wise people, man. I leave the God stuff out. I don't need that. Just help me with life. I like I talk to all sorts of people. So who told you about the purpose? Have you interrogated this purpose? What does it look like? Um, is it based on anything philosophically sound? Uh, so maybe go and question the purpose. And if it's truly purpose and, and you both have it and you're both living it, then then the values should, should keep it together. Focus on the values, not on the purpose. Because usually a purpose is outcome-based. The values are going to be a golden thread. And values and principles are always going to win over feelings. Because purpose is quite a feely, touchy word. 
you know what are the values what are the principles of this other person are they so for me i try i like people who have the same family ethos that i do um number one discipline i have i have five but anyway i'm not going to bore you with those so go and interrogate the purpose thing i would say with other wise people before you start leaning into a massive commitment like purpose ask an older brother ask a go if you're religious go and ask go and seek counsel from your rabbi go and seek if you if it's a business thing go and seek if it's uh i don't know if, if it's about charity go and ask go on linkedin and find people who work at world-class charities these types of people like to help and by the way people on linkedin like to help i've emailed ceos of companies and they reply their stuff's right there so whatever it's linked to i would go and interrogate that um and again i'm not an expert on romantic relationships so i don't really have all the dynamics there but what i do know in my personal relationships especially the people that i consider my friends now it's not how different we are it's our similarities and and by similarities i mean core values right and if you don't have core values by the way it's something you need to think about it's helped my life a lot i have five core values they have not changed in eight years in fact, they haven't changed ever because I, three of them I have from family values uh, from my mother and father, which, but I added my own too. And always looking to upgrade, by the way, always thinking about those. Uh, but, but my father raised me to say, so my, fa my father's this guy, right? So my dad used to say, don't have too many rules. So my dad's maximum is, <laughs> here's the topic of my father. My father says, only idiots learn from their own mistakes. He's always said that. It's not, it's not something I'm quoting out. He's always said it. My, my father's very intolerant of stupidity. Always has been. Right? Like if you don't think, you're not going to last around my dad. But my dad always used to say, he doesn't give people more than five rules because people aren't good at remembering stuff. And so one of his main things was, don't give people too many rules. Because the thing with too many rules is you have to stick to them. So he always said, no. Going, so even without chores, so so I could pick five chores, right? But I have to really go home, think about those chores. And when I fall short of that, there's no negotiating. I just don't get pocket money. Like, that's just how it went. Like, my dad's not negotiating with kids. So go and think about your core values. See what these values are. Ask your partner. And, and if it's purpose, if it's massive as purpose that's intertwined your lives, you should ask him, hey, what are your core values? What are these values? Have you thought, have you written them down? Can I see them? Have you interrogated them? Where did you get these values? Have you lived them out? Give me examples of how you're living this value out. Ask them if it, I mean, purpose is huge, right? Is, hey, how do you see this thing going in terms of, have you mapped it out? Does it consume you as much as it consumes me? Is it your everything? And I don't know what this purpose is. Because if your purpose is just to be in love with someone and you're in your 20s, that's bullshit. Like, get it together. That's not a purpose. That's just you being infatuated by another human. That's not a purpose. Like, you can't make a person your purpose. That's crazy. That's absolutely mental. But if your purpose is something greater than yourselves and it is to go and do charity somewhere, I get that. Totally get that. And I love that. It's completely opposite to me. I'm a very self-centered person. Um, you know, then you should interrogate it by asking people that work at the final level 
look up people who work at the United Nations. Look up people who work at the Red Cross. Look at when we talk about purpose. There's people. Look up surgeons. Go and ask nurses. Go and ask people who serve world. Well, uh, your teachers. Go and ask teachers. You know, some people have a purpose where they have a calling and they've been teaching for thirty years. Now that's somebody with a purpose, right? There are people who are teachers for thirty years, and they they they're in retirement age, but they're still teaching. They go and teach people. Go and ask them. These people will help you. Go and find these people that have been teaching for 30 years. Go to a university and go and ask these professors who are doing scientific experiments 50 years in. It's not about the money at that stage. These are people who want to help the humanity. That's purpose. Because then you can ask questions about people who have lived a purpose. Not just saying it romantically because they wrote it in their diary. Like, I'm not good with romantic relationships, but I talk to married people all the time. And I, I have three people in particular that I talk to that have been, all have been married. The, the least, the one who's been married the least is 46 years. 46 years and more married. Those are the kind of people I talk to about romantic relationships. Nobody else. I'm not, I'm not asking people that have been married for five years for marriage at first. They don't know anything. They're still on honeymoon. Like, shout out to my friends who just got married, but... You, you, you're laughing. You, you're bloody laughing. 30 years, 40 years. Now we're talking. Now we're talking to fall over, like, like over and over in love with somebody over that period of time. And really, because after 40 years, you really know that person and all of their shortcomings and you stayed. Now that's interesting to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And by the way, if you don't know who Fanon is, number one, read a book. What kind of bum are you? Stop watching Netflix. Um, so if, you're not, if, if you are interested in sort of uh, deconstructive theory, um, decolonization, uh, and things like that, um, I do have the book. So if you know me, I'm happy to lend you uh, The Wretched of the Earth is what he was famous for. A very, very, very famous um, psychiatrist and philosopher, Franz Fanon. That was the quote there. So I do have The Wretched of the Earth. Otherwise, you can go and buy it. If you're, if you're interested in um, sort of high level, uh, interestingly, in uh, The Wretched of the Earth, you can actually, uh, one of the preeminent figures of European philosophy, of course, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, has a foreword there, uh, one for the ages. Uh, Sartre, of course, uh, an, an incredible thinker of the modern era. Um, Fanon. The Wretched of the Earth. What other show are you going to get inverted left backs and somebody who knows who Fanon is and recommends books for you and knows Sakha? Now, I'm the most humble person I know, but listen, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The versatility to be able to go from understanding the ashes and the implications of playing five seamers. By the way, I called five seamers. So Australia have clearly heard me and they've gone with the correct lineup. Go listen to the podcast. Uh, a couple of podcasts ago, I said, play five seamers. Don't play Toddy Murphy. But now I'm giving you recommendations about reading about high level deconstruction of decolonization. You know, and Sartre. The Wretched of the Earth. 
bloody game-changing book if you are interested in such things. If you just like sport, you can also listen to the podcast because that's the kind of range you get here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm too humble. People say my biggest weakness is that I'm too humble. And then I say, you know what I say is, you're right. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. For now, I am the hell out of here.